When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, off Cockle Empire, we trade one Midwestern accent for another decidedly more northerly and slightly more Scandinavian one. Yes, that's right. We move from one side of the axe battle to the other here on your only home for Big Ten coverage of of everything, including Rutger, you know, and the new guys. Um... Once again, this is Off Toggle Empire. I'm Steve Braun, aka Thumpasaurus. I'm with uh, my, I'm back with my co-host Andrew Krzyzewski, and joining me are two Minnesota luminaries in uh, White Speed Receiver and our own MN Wildcast. Now, before I, before we get, we'll get to the Minnesota stuff because there's, there's been some good off-season content too. This is, point, yeah, a point of order first before we do, which is that. It... <laughs> so I had this dream that involved involved tangentially em and wildcat the other day and it was that like you know there's those things sometimes you dream that you're at an event that makes no sense logistically but it's just like it's a dream so it's fine that like a whole week of the big 10 football season was taking place in champagne for some reason yeah. obviously this makes no sense but it's also a dream thing and so you know i was just like at, 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 a, at a tailgate and for whatever reason you wandered up northwestern was really bad and you were really really upset about it and you had a fort. You had a 14 jersey on, and you busted out one of those photorealistic horse masks. And then I was like, <laughs> it's not Halloween, so what are you? And then you were like, I, I, I don't fucking know. I'm horse western. And then I, to which I said, what? And then you said, Bassinet! I would have gone to Clayton Porson. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! <laughs> anyway, this was your cameo in my dream. <laughs> I hope you were proud of yourself. It doesn't seem too unrealistic, given that you just seemed really drunk and mad about Northwestern being super bad. <laughs> I'm going for I'm going as Brett Bazinet now for Halloween. I mean, it's just <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> oh, oh boy! So anyway, Steve, what the hell? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea, man. I've I, I I got a little bit too deep into the weeds on um. Oh uh, yeah, indeed. On college football, apparently. Get take the edge off the edibles before you go. <laughs> this dream brought to you by drugs, the official drugs of Apple Empire. Well, yes, and of course we're in a we're we're talking about the flagship program of a state that recently. Uh, legalized edibles on accident <laughs> because they either didn't read weed. the verbiage or didn't understand what dosing was. Reconcile bills are a hell of a drug, as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful stuff here. So, um, Minnesota, uh, th- th- it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. So it was so it was the non-conference of times and the conference of times, and that has been the story the last couple of years uh, for PJ Flex Gophers. 
About so, the best non-conference showing they had was the one with the really, really narrow escapes against uh, Sandy. No, 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 no not Dakota State, South Dakota uh, State, Fresno State, and, Fresno State, and yeah. um, Georgia Southern. 2019. We've been messing yep. around for a long time with this. The yeah. bill was due, and we finally had to pay it. Yeah, but it, you know the thing is, there were enough other interesting upsets early season that it really like the, a, a loss like the one Minnesota had to Bowling Green. I remembered basically by two categories of people. If you have anything other than a terrible or fantastic season, your own fan base and your rivals fan bases. And it's unfortunate because your rivals will remind you of it. But the fact that they escaped also losing to Miami a couple weeks later, which was very much on the table, um, takes this thing out of it a little bit. And yeah, as you mentioned, it's, there's been a, (laughs) maybe not. So there's been a little bit of a, an approach to the non-con of, the we're just going to run the ball 70 times and that's just going to have to be good enough because we're not doing anything else. And as you mentioned, it's yeah. Having played with fire a couple times, eventually you do find yourself uh, cooking. Yes. With the, with the loss of some passing targets, Minnesota fully joined the man ball Thunderdome of the big 10 West and lets us go ahead and appreciate that there's going to be two more seasons of this before it goes away forever. But yeah, they, they, they joined the let's run it 65 times um, you know, maybe pass it 10 times if we have to division. But we've always been that is the thing that Fleck, and for as much as he talks about throwing the ball and is, you know, having Corey Davis as a top five pick for the Titans and whatnot, even in 2019, when we've got Tyler Johnson and, um, God damn, Rashad Bateman, Bateman yeah. we still ran the ball 70% of the time. PJ Flex MO is man ball the hell out of everyone. And, do it with a very, very energetic flourish. And that's yeah, and what we've always at, done. And even at Western and Michigan also, with, yeah. That and fuck around in non-conference games because all we're going to do is run inside zone. We're not even going to go to our slants here. Sorry, you know, did you mean inside zone until we have to punt or kick a field goal? And that's Did you mean do. fleck around in non-conference games? Sure. <laughs> you need to get out. <laughs> <laughs> But let, I mean, unless we zero in too much on the on the entertaining parts of the early schedule, it does have to be remembered that this. So if you look at the opener against Ohio State, you see a two score loss and figure I always couldn't keep up. The truth is Minnesota did give Ohio State as much of a game as they had all year until the Buckeyes eventually did lose to Michigan. And that was viewed as a little bit of proof of concept. It was also a game in which despite a really the thing that took Minnesota's wind out of their sails was losing Muhammad Ibrahim in that game. And even though they've been, they've done a really good job, especially last year with, you know, next man up at running back, that felt like a spiritual blow that was like, all right, they're not going to be able to keep up after this. And sure enough, they couldn't, but it was still a a good demonstration. And so it's the first four months, the first four weeks of the season, you have a competitive loss to Ohio state. Uh, the loss to Bowling Green, sure, and the near escape against Miami, but also an absolute pantsing of Colorado. And granted, Colorado fell to pieces last year under Carl Durrell, whoever would have seen that coming. Um, but then an undefeated month of October puts them right back in the, con- in the division picture until, <laughs> again, trying to play the let's not throw the ball game. Um, and they ran into Brett Bielema. And that loss to Illinois really was even more damaging than the following loss to Iowa in terms of their ability to stay in the division picture. 
it's, I don't even know where to begin with Bielema. <laughs> we have never, Minnesota has never beaten Brett Bielema. It is infuriating beyond belief. It's like playing chess with that guy that keeps trying to eat one of his pawns. I don't understand <laughs> how it keeps happening, but it does keep happening. And the fact of the matter is, is that we need to get that monkey off our back. And that is actually the game last year I'm the most upset about because you beat Illinois and everything's still in front of you. You lose to Illinois and you have to rely on Nebraska to win the game. And for the love of God, no one should be relying on Nebraska yeah. anything mm-hmm. right now. Can't do it. Can't so, do you know, it. We've, you know, we've handled one of the two good teams in the quadrangle reasonably well the entire time Fleck has been here. We haven't touched, put a glove on Iowa either. We've always beat ourselves against them, and that needs to end at some point too. But <clears throat> it's still competitive and entertaining for everyone that's not a Gopher fan. <laughs> so that's always a great positive in that game. Perhaps yeah. if I'm a Minnesota partisan, the thing that upsets me the most about the Illinois game is the fact that Illinois just did what they'd done against Penn State. Like, like the Penn, you could blame Penn State for maybe not expecting the. <laughs> all right, let's just let's just go seven offensive linemen. And I mean, when when Bielema submitted his roster, the media guide, his starting offense had seven offensive linemen on it, like for the media guide. Um, but he did that against Penn State. Minnesota absolutely had to know that was coming. Especially when that's something that Fleck will go to in games where he's a little nervous about being able to run the ball as well. He went to seven offensive linemen repeatedly against Penn State in the past. That is yeah. something that's in his golf bag. How do you not know that Bielema, Bielema is going to do this? I mean, this is a guy who, if he could get eight offensive linemen in there at some point, he's probably going to do it. Well, I mean, <laughs> it depends on on how many offensive linemen uh, Faolele counts as, because <laughs> certainly more than one, but probably less than two. Nope, just one by the strict rules of the game. Yeah. Uh, so, that, you know, so that means that he doesn't count towards like oversigning or anything, which is which is a good thing. So find yourself as many six foot nine, four hundred pound Australians as you can, and yeah, on your own. <laughs> Not a bad foundation, and so. We're past the halfway point of our team previews here in B1G 2022. And with the exception of Purdue and Maryland in the East, there's been a little bit of a theme here so far, which is, oh, you know, this team really liked to run the ball. Oh, my God, they were so bad at throwing the ball. Of course, they tried to run it all the time. But again, you you have to admire Minnesota for sticking to the bit here, because even after, again, season-ending injury to Ibrahim in the first game of the season, and then Trey Potts, a very different type of injury shortly thereafter. You're down to your third string running back, basically true freshman. It would have been a little tempting for most coaches to say, I have an extremely experienced quarterback, not the best group of weapons, but still a quarterback who's been here a long time. Maybe I could put a little more that, nope, we're sticking to the bit. 40 runs a game, even if that means going to Bucko Irving and Kai Thomas. Both of those guys have transferred because Ibrahim and Potts are evidently both going to return. Sounds like they should both be full steam, which is great news to hear, especially in Ibrahim's case. Probably should have gone to the draft before the 21 season, honestly. Uh, Certainly had nothing left to prove in college after the season he had during the pandemic, but um, certainly a good thing for Minnesota's offense to have both of those guys back. And I have to imagine this offense is probably going to look pretty much the same in concept, even though they're once again... Um, shuffling offensive coordinators, bringing Kirk Sirocco back into the fold. Good old rock. Nothing beats rock. 
So I, I do. How, and W. Sir, if you're going to make a point there, I mean, by all means, cut me off. I, I, I just want to because I looked it up out of curiosity. If you were to guess who outside of Purdue threw the ball most in the West last year, in terms of just looking at TeamRankings.com run pass split, probably uh, Northwestern or Nebraska. A new yeah, Northwestern are, because they're behind in all their games, and then Nebraska because they want to. You are correct. Northwestern was 62nd, 48 uh, percent after trailing them. Uh, let me make sure that I'm not getting this wrong. Trailing them uh, in 70th with 46% was Iowa. Yeah, it, they they lit a lot of they lit a lot of possessions on fire by giving the ball to Spencer Petrus instead of Howard Goodson. That's true. Then Nebraska down at 85th with 44.5%. Uh, Illinois 40 uh, at, at 100th with 42.6. Uh, Still way too high. Well, yeah, and then Minis- uh, sorry, Wisconsin at 126th with 36%. The only team above Navy, Army, and Air Force, 15-13 and 13% respectively, is Minnesota at 31.9%. Wow. Sounds about right. Hey, look, you got to beat traffic, all right? There's no more Midwestern <laughs> program than the head coach who has said, I am determined to get home within three hours of kickoff. So you got to respect his valuing of the fan base and the watch and the media audience's time. Um, so we, we mentioned Tanner Morgan back one more time. Um, there does seem to be, if you know, there's there was a commentary earlier in the offseason, hey, maybe PJ Fluck looks like he's had a little work done. No, that's 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 unfair to presume. What has actually happened is Tanner Morgan has now transitioned from being his quarterback into his portrait of Dorian Gray. Um, <laughs> that that device, if you will. And so as as PJ Fleck ages, his sins and decrepitude are foisted off upon his quarterback who has lost any trace of hair he might have once had um, and now looks older than his head coach. We got to find the baldest coach quarterback combos in NCAA football history. I don't think any of Franklin's quarterback. Yeah. WSR, you were going to say something yeah. actually substantive about Morgan, I assume. The rest <laughs> of us will think about our, our bald combos. No, well, first of all, I was going to say PJ Fleck did not have a little work done in the offseason. He had a lot. <laughs> and then, secondly, I, you know, Tanner Morgan has been here for every single game of the PJ Fleck regime. He was a redshirt freshman in 2017. And thanks to all the weirdness that has gone on the last two years, he is still here because he is listed at 6'2 in the program, and he is uh, probably wearing about eight inch heels when he's listed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate his commitment to the program. He's going to go down as probably one of the best gopher quarterbacks ever because, well, that's not a problem to begin with. You have to go back into the World War II era to find guys not named Sandy Stevens that are as productive as he has been. I will not I will not sit here and listen to this Assad Abdul Khalique slander. Well, I mean, I thought you were going to talk about Weber. By volume stats, he's got to have damn near every record already. Even though, I mean, last year, 10 touchdowns to nine interceptions, a positively Mertzian sub 60% completion (laughs) percentage, barely 2,000 yards as a full time starter. Like, these are not robust numbers, but still, you're going to be in a sixth season basically as the starter. Um, No, fit. Yeah. So part of the problem, I think, and maybe the reason why, and again, it'll be interesting. I'm fascinated to see if Siroka gets them back to, I hope I'm saying that it's name right. Siroka, Siroka. Rock. The Rock. 
Sure. Uh, <laughs> I am interested to see what he does with this passing game. There was a thought with Sanford that the tight ends would be more involved the way they were at Minnesota or at Notre Dame, where he came from. That really never materialized in the passing game. I mean, there were, they remain important parts of the blocking, but they never used the tight ends as pass threats very much. So going back to Rock's offense, I expect they'll try to get the receivers more involved the way they did a few years ago. They do still have Chris Ottman Bell. He is, again, and this uh, talk about themes that we've had on the podcast. Well, themes we've had for Big Ten West teams have been, boy, this passing game wasn't very good. Also, everybody who was any good at catching passes is gone. That seems like a problem. That at least is not true of Minnesota because getting Chris Ottman Bell back means you have a credible deep threat when he's healthy, which has been rarely. Let's see what happens there. It will be interesting to see what happens with him. I am still waiting. And with the return of Shiraka, I am nervous about what that means for Brevin Spanford at tight end because I have been waiting for him for a very long time. Um, rumors of him just destroying everyone and everything in practices have been floating around since he was a redshirt freshman. And I am very honestly not expecting to have him to have a breakout year this year. I think he's going to see the field a whole lot more with the departure of St. Coquit, deliverer of snot bubbles extraordinaire. I mean, <laughs> the greatest football player in the Big Ten West over the last four years, and I will hear nothing to the uh, – you know, no arguments against this. But somebody's got to go out there and beat the hell out of other teams' smallest linebackers, and it's going to be spam. Um, other receiving targets, Dylan Wright. I really hope that he has, you know, figured out whatever it was that led to his one-game suspension last year, and will you know he will have his head screwed on straight and he'll be ready to go here this year because well, he, he's one of the five best, best rappers of all time. <laughs> he's physically the most talented receiver other than Bateman I've ever seen for the Gophers in in bits and pieces and stems. He's done a great job of making one play here, one play there, but he has never strung it together for an entire drive or an entire, you know, game or a half or anything. So he really needs to step it up this year. And that's if been the story. Of, yeah, that's been the story of most of the secondary options too. I mean, there have been individual games where Wright or Daniel Jackson or Mike Brown Stevens look like they could, I mean, not only be a second option to Ottman Bell, but maybe be the number one guy themselves one day in the mold of a Tyler Johnson or See, Rashad Bateman, and that just never materializes on a consistent basis. If someone's going to break out of that group, I hope it's Mike Brown-Stevens, just so that a bunch of Minnesota fans on Twitter get super excited about MBS. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, boy, he sure is having a breakout year. I think this is the year that he burst onto the international stage. God, he is going to carve up the opposing defenses. <laughs> so, I thought we were going to go with John Legend jokes here, since that's his uncle, but that works too. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, the one I, I I was really happy you brought up Brevin Span Ford because it I mean he's what he's something like six seven six eight right? He's, I mean, you say another one of those gigantic tight ends that we somehow never find a way to incorporate into the red zone. Well, and that's it's good. that's what I wanted because outside of what that six ten Nate ben, Wozniak. Nate Wozniak, thank you. Six um, ten and frying pans for hands. That's got well. I mean, when the ball was eight feet over his head, too, it didn't really matter. But um, working it, with lighter made light touch. 
what I mean, what has been the like? Is it just kind of play calling? Is it something and just that they're not as good a pass catchers as they need to be? What's been holding? Because it's been since like a Max Williams, right? That there has yeah. really been a true go for tight end who you stop and go, holy shit, that guy is going to carve up opposing linebackers. Yeah, the, the, it's. I think it really is scheme, and I think that. I hope Mike Sanford dies really soon, like something horribly painful, like testicular cancer or something like that because holy shit he just completely set things back bad over the last two years and there was no rhyme or reason of the offense at all that's where it, we get the yeah. phrase minnesota nice yeah oh uh, it is minnesota <laughs> nice. I, will, I will just i will remind you about this mike sanford took over uh from jeff brom at western kentucky now i forgot who's the coach at western kentucky now but obviously uh um, western Hel- yeah, yeah. Western Kentucky remains pretty Western Kentucky. If anything, they're more fun than they were under Jeff Brom. In between that, Mike Sanford was the head coach. They they lost 20 to 7 to 2017 Illinois. That was the only time that season I thought, oh, okay, I think we could have a football team. No, <laughs> the dude turned Western Kentucky yeah. into like a a, a plotting boring you know, shit show that scored 10 points a game and went two and ten. His crimes against football have gone unpunished for too long. He needs to answer. Yeah. So as as far as the general outlook, again, the skill position guys, I think, are there for Minnesota. There's a little bit of a question on the offensive line where a, an extremely veteran group loses multiple starters, but they have delved into the portal to a greater extent than they have in the past. So I, it would not surprise me if this is a very right-handed running game. They bring in Chuck Filiunga from Michigan and Quinn Carroll from Notre Dame, guys with very high-level experience, who I figure will probably step into those into the guard and tackle spots on the right side immediately. Um, that'll probably be the direction they run. I mean, again, the last few years they've been going by and fought on that side anyway. So shouldn't be too much of a change there, but again, Offensive line is so much about experience that you expect some bumps in the road to begin with with new stars on the left side. I mean, John Michael Schmitz is really good at center, though. That makes life a lot easier having him there. When you can count on him week in, week out, five years, it you don't have to worry about a whole lot there. So Schmitz has been outstanding his entire time. I'm I'm really happy he came back because. He's, you know, top five center in the draft last year. If he goes pro this year, he comes back and there's nowhere near the class. So go out there and, you know, just do your thing and keep making other people miserable and do, and that'll be fine. Um, yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting because there's not going to be a whole lot of experience returning at left tackle here. It sounds like it's going to be um, – Arante Ursery, who's got one start. I think he beat the hell out of Nebraska when we had the 33 players down. We had nobody left on the offensive line. He played in that game and just looked amazing. And, and you you always cheer for a you know a big offensive lineman making his first start wearing number 69. So it was really nice to see. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how. Uh, I'm really excited for Quinn Carroll to come back. I was really hoping he would have chose here, but you know a big ginger Catholic. You can't blame him for going to Notre Dame at all. I'm just happy he came back to help us out when we need him. Um, Philemona from Michigan is really going to be the one that everything revolves around. I think this, I think he can be our second best offensive lineman just walking in the door just because he's got more experience than anyone else. We've got, 
I will tell you, having watched him very closely the last few years, uh, it's very good that Minnesota runs the ball 70% of the time. He's a really good run blocker, and he <laughs> is not great at pass pro concepts. So this is a, a could be hand meets glove. Um, don't be surprised if when you are compelled to pass, eh, he ends up getting your quarterback hit a couple times. You know what? Mo Ibrahim is an outstanding pass blocker, so I feel like we have an idea what to do there. Um, it's... The- the thing I'm positive, I'm happy about though, is I really, I'm a big fan of Brian Callahan's work on the offensive line. We finally had some fat kids drafted after not having any since Mason. I mean, this is Minnesota. We're, we're, we've been outdoors since 2008, 2009, something like that. It's, we should be able to run the ball pretty effectively. And that means that we should be able to get one or two guys here and there drafted into the NFL. And that's, it's been a very long time. And I think that, we've done a pretty good job of getting guys who have been serviceable being plugged in here and there behind the fall leleys and everyone else like that over the last few years. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. Yeah. In a time in an era where other Midwestern football teams are increasingly going indoors because they are absolutely charm and soft for whatever reason. Uh, Oh yeah. There's soon going to be one NFC North team that plays outside. <clears throat> yeah what? you just it, that's why the Lions are never going to win anything it's because they're soft because they play indoors uh, that's the only reason nothing else is holding them back I'm sure <laughs> well look Cannot if imagine. they fixed all the <laughs> other things that thing would still exist that thing would still be in the way yeah Ford Field that being said the city of but... Chicago did recently propose to add a dome to Soldier Field and it's like oh my you remember, god the last time they added something to Soldier Field it got taken off the National Register of Historic Places <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe if they add a roof, the NFL will contract the team. I, that's always a possibility. Um, all right, so get back to Minnesota. I think. Oh no, I, I wanted to pitch. Oh, I wanted to pitch uh, a. Sh- I know I have the idea of like a green space open air roof for Soldier Field, where it's like you basically just put a table over it, just green <laughs> space, and a park on the top. It still wind whips through the thing, like. Why, let, let's just go completely, let's just add a third completely like neo-futuristic kind of like Brooklyn top of a condo development, but just as a table. So you can still get the breezes through there fucking the kickers and that'd be great. No, we're just going to build, we're just going to build a five and one on top of Soldier Field. On the that's how we're going to, because that's the old, that's, that's going to be our generation's legacy for architecture. The five and one. Beautiful. Can't wait. That Trader Joe's on top of Soldier Field is going to be the busiest place on game day. So. <laughs> and I just, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. I was, I was actually at the Vikings practice facility today, mm-hmm. and I saw a team, a Minnesota team, win a playoff game. So congratulations, Minnesota Aurora, you're awesome. But anyway, back to other stuff that doesn't really, that, no, that, that doesn't really soccer. affect our season. Here is Eric Decker was in fact the Grand Marshal for the BTN Big 10K in Chicago. So as long as we're just tossing out random trivia, of course, my wife knew knew who he was because uh, he's dating somebody of some importance somewhere in the Married to? Yeah, married to, yeah. Every every time she, it's not that she doesn't know ball, it's just that when, you know, it's like, oh, here's this receiver that played, you know, this years ago and did this one thing in this playoff game. It's like, why do you know that person? Oh, oh, okay, because he's married to this person. I would have assumed. Basket, the Ur example. Oh, you really remember oh, that guy that fucked up the onside kick in the Saints-Colts <laughs> Super Bowl that well? I mean, that I was a pretty yeah. big fuck-up, wasn't it? I have to assume I would have 
I would have assumed that Leah's recognition of Eric Decker would have been, oh, I remember that guy. He caught four balls against the Stillers that one time in 2008. Fuck that guy. I, that's why I would have thought she would have remembered him. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so <laughs> turning to the defensive side of the ball, um, I think it actually has to be said that Minnesota's defense in the national sense was extremely underrated last year. Yeah. After a couple of years of figuring things out, going back to playing a lot of young guys 2019 2020 they finally got the benefit of returning a ton of experience and that's going to carry over for one more year where a lot of that experience comes back especially in the back seven uh if they find some if they find a couple of, well if it's really pass rushes the only thing that they need up front is to find new guys they got a good season from boy and mafe and then he went to the draft They've imported a couple transfers on the line to help with their depth there. But the back seven, really back six, back six, back seven, I mean, whether it's a four, two, five or a four, three, their linebackers, safeties, corner groups are all extremely good, very experienced at this point. I mean, think back a couple of years ago. I remember some of the game, you know, the week to week recaps we did of these linebackers and coverage. It was like, oh, my, this is brutal to watch uh but a lot of those growing pains have really paid off they got guys back from injury and so now between oliver and um sorry marin at the linebacker spots um Newman and howden in the back end they've they're really locked and stocked for an extremely good campaign if the defensive line is even as good as it was last year it, true story uh mariano sorry marin's name was actually just mariano marin before he came to minnesota um, because then he had to be really sorry about every time that he had to squeeze past you to grab the ranch. We are not going to, we are lining up and banging out the classics tonight. I gotta be honest. Um, and it, absolutely. But, but once again, I, I feel like this is like the, the third time I've said this, if you're going to have a weakness in the big 10 West should probably be, you know, like the spread passing game, like that kind of thing. Right. If you're going to have a weakness, have it be one thing that only one team will ever do to you. Yeah. Uh, either either overwhelm Purdue's pass blocking or just take your annual loss to Purdue and nobody else and then compete with all the other teams that have agreed to the gentleman's agreement to like, no, we're just going to man ball and we are all going to beat the traffic home and we're going to see that sunrise on our back porch. So there's a gentleman's agreement. Jeff Romain in on it. Nobody knows what Scott Frost is doing. I thought Pat Fitzgerald was down. Apparently... Who knows what he's doing these days? No, he he was down. He was usually down twenty-one nothing by the end of the first half. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then the other thing that helps obviously is finding a freshman All-American in Justin Wally at corner because now you're not facing a total apocalypse after this season when the entire defense ages out all at once. You'll have a building block back for next year as well. well um, that's just, that's assuming that guys don't transfer out because we don't have our our poop in a group for NIL right now. So. <laughs> I mean, True, guys yeah. could go get paid somewhere else. It's entirely possible we could lose every one of the consequences. So is there no, like, that? I, it's interesting you say that because it's not a school that I'd thought about in the past. Like, Northwestern is one where just, we there's, I mean, a couple, like, startups where some, you know, rich former players now who have been, you know, interning at Goldman Sachs for seven years come back and are, like, CEOs of an investment group for athletes or some shit. I don't know what it is. But I have not heard anything about, like, minnesota is i mean who are the alums who could be splashing money or what i mean surely there's a car dealer in like 
<laughs> yeah, surely there's a car dealer in Chaska <laughs> who's willing to like <laughs> these kids up or something, right? All right, so hmm. the first answer and the one that is always the easiest and also the most cringeworthy is T. Denny Sanford because he is a very wealthy man and he's also a colossal piece of shit. Yep. <clears throat> so that is that is where it begins and ends in terms of Minnesota alumni who have just more money than God. Um, Dick Ames used to before he passed away, so that 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 uh, faucet got shut down a bit. Um, you heard that correct? His name was Dick Ames, guys. <laughs> it does indeed. <laughs> so it's there are a couple startups, but we the problem Minnesota is going to always face is we have the most vigilant compliance department in the Big Ten because well we've had some adventures in the past in Minnesota as you may be well there. I remember so, it well. Yeah, so, if you get caught, look, if you at any point in your history get caught cheating and you're not Ohio State or, or Michigan and, you know, that thing in the 50s with Michigan State just gets swept under the rug for whatever reason, um, I get that they had their reasons. I'm not going to get into it. It was 70 but, years ago. I mean, that could be part of it. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the thing is, is like we we make sure that we're doing above and beyond the letter of the law as opposed to, well, that's what the law says right now. So until we get that figured out, then we're just going to have a handful of groups and we have a handful of groups that are trying to get off the ground and get going, but we don't, there's no one rich moron pulling <laughs> everyone else behind them. Well, you know, Hey, it, it could be worse. At least your rich moron isn't running the fucking Jaguars into the ground when they were already there to begin with. I can't wait until WSR is arrested for buying a Cessna. Like he keeps swearing he's going to do. And then using it to illegally like help help PJ Fleck visit recruits or something. That's really what I hope is. Yeah. So to continue this conversation then about recruiting and the presence or lack thereof of relevant NIL entities, you can perhaps see that paying off in a less than instant impact class, shall we say that? And this has been a developmental program the whole time Fleck has been at Minnesota, which does continually surprise me a little bit when you think back to the way he constructed what he did at Western Michigan. He did it by recruiting laps around the conference. And again, yes, the national recruiting landscape was totally different then, even though we're only talking six, seven, eight years ago. And it's also a different thing to out-recruit the MAC versus out-recruiting the Big Ten, where there's Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan. And um, Nebraska. And, well, yeah, and that's again. Well, yeah, out recruiting Nebraska um, is indeed difficult. Yeah, out, as it turns out, other things in them is not right. quite as. It's very difficult to out to to beat Nebraska in recruiting or in shooting your own dick off. Those are two things they're extremely good at. Um, and so, the incoming class from Minnesota, not a lot of guys that you're likely to see right away. Um, two blue chippers on the defensive line, and Trey Bixby and Anthony Smith. Neither of those guys are the sort of guys where it's like we have to get them on the field immediately because they're three and out for sure. Um, more likely to see an instant impact from the transfer guys. Uh, we mentioned Phil Younga and Carroll. Now, their recent history suggests that Zach Evans, their true freshman running back, could, not the same guy who's going to TCU, um, could be called upon. It will probably be pretty good. Uh, but that being said, they take an 18-man prep class. Half of those guys are unranked. Um, and it's not, you know, for example, at Wisconsin that we just discussed last week, they have a big need at receiver. So you could see even 
kind of unremarkable recruits on paper getting a chance there. Minnesota has bodies. They don't really have, again, like defensive line. Maybe you see the opportunity to play there for one of their blue chippers, but their roster has been constructed well enough. There aren't really obvious opportunities to play right away unless I'm missing something. So I'll start by saying that as a family friend of Trey Bixby, I'm looking forward to him quite a bit. I also don't expect to see him take the field more than once this year, even though he gets four games. I, he's absolutely one of those guys that's going to, you know, take a year to eat as much as humanly possible and live in the weight room. That's going to be his entire year here this year. What about the community? In the weight room. In the <laughs> Will he also live there? Classroom. And the practice field? Uh, and oh, the practice field. <laughs> Uh, I, just, yeah. I don't think we'll see too many of the defensive players <laughs> at all this year. They won't have really an impact. Zach Evans actually, here we go. Zach Evans looked good in the spring game, so obviously he's the next man up. Um, in addition to having, you know, Potts back and Mo Ibrahim back, we also get back um, – why am I so terrible with names here today? Our actual third string running back oh. last year is back as well here. Bryce Williams. Yes, Bryce Williams is back for his sixth year, I believe, as well. So wait, was the, it not Kai Thomas? Not no Kai. He left to go to Kansas. I'm sorry. Was it not Derek LeCaptain, runner of a touchdown against Northwestern? <laughs> Walk-on linebacker scored turned running back touchdown scorer against Northwestern, yeah. Derek LeCaptain. Got my liter of wine, boys. I'm good to go. Second half. Is this uh, a liter of wine? <laughs> no, I just... Yeah, well, I have my legend of wine, so... <laughs> oh, we are on one tonight. Uh, I think, yeah. I think Evans could be the one that could see the field this year. I was really impressed with how he looked. He... The only thing I care about is pass blocking, and he actually, you know, stepped in front of a defender that was getting close to Tanner Morgan. So that that's a win there. That's all I ask for from running backs when they're young. Um, I I don't worry as much about flex recruiting because there have not been very many misses. He's had some guys who have left the program because of injury over the course of their time, but guys flex recruits as freshmen for the most part are not useless college football players. And that's a big deal after having watched Jerry Kills, Oz Shucks, where you're going to try to find a diamond in a rough 35 times in recruiting class, and Tim Brewster's star fucking. <laughs> there's no other way around it. It's been a very long time since there's been a coherent approach to recruiting, and I really appreciate it. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, we'll see these guys two to three years down the line, but we're if we see them this year, that means either it's one of the four games that they get and we're going to run it up against Northwestern or something went very wrong again and we have to have our fourth, fifth, sixth running back run. Well, okay. my question is, before we get into the schedule here, <clears throat> my question is this. I don't believe that anything that you saw. Um, we, we mentioned some offseason stuff coming up because some 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 outgoing transfers uh <laughs> decided to uh f- flashing a uh PJ is my cousin shirt <laughs> um but anyway 
because some outgoing transfers decided to, you know, air a little bit of dirty laundry and 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 tell some tell some fun anecdotes about PJ Fleck. Um, that I feel like most most of that stuff when I read it didn't surprise me, and I don't think it surprised any Minnesota fans to know that like that's just he's just you know the kind of the high pressure way that he operates as far as like um the thing that did surprise me a little bit though the one thing that i saw that really surprised the shit out of me was how often he chose he allegedly chose to employ the oh okay well fine then let's just cancel practice if you're not going to go 110% on every drill then fine i guess you don't want to practice and we'll just cancel practice and he's just just goes around and like starts collecting all this stuff. Be like, oh, I just wanted to have a good practice today. And I just do it, you know, trying to get the players to beg him to not cancel practice. And then he just cancels practice anyway. Right. So anyone that's played organized sports long enough has, has, has had this happen at some point. It's just shocking to me that he did this several times over the course of a big 10 season, including apparently the week of the Ohio state game. I use this I use this tactic myself in my own coaching career um, when I was in high school and my sister was in elementary school and I was coaching for a soccer team a rebellious squadron of eight-year-olds with no chemistry no heart uh, and so you had to reach into the bag of tricks <laughs> as often as was necessary to get the most out of those little ingrates but anyway what I'm saying basically is I I roll with those coaching tags whatever you gotta do to get the job <laughs> but well wsr i'd like you to answer a couple other rumors that uh that came up about uh pj fleck um i was told that pj fleck uh once uh, made out with coach Carr. i heard that pj fleck uh made out with a hot dog i heard that uh, pj fleck is a grotsky little biatch uh <laughs> a sad old drug pusher uh, that he is the nastiest skank bitch I have ever met, and that you shouldn't trust him. He's a fugly slut. Um, if you care to answer any of those, because I uh, did not leave the South Side for this, frankly. I heard that he passed out with Baskin Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's it is funny though that White Speed Receiver brought up the personage of Ben Kill because that actually sets us up perfectly for a schedule transition where Ben. <laughs> Where white speed receiver, where MNW is Jerry Kill at this very moment? I believe he is at New Mexico State. I haven't heard rumors. Drunk on the and, recruiting trail, I assume he is, but uh, maybe New Mexico State. Why not? Look who's the nine o'clock Eastern time opener on Thursday the first on BTN, but the New Mexico State. I'm going to say Aggies. Is that right? Yeah, like Aggies. Um, I love the State Fair game too, man. He in his first season as New Mexico State's head coach, he's signing up for non-cons with Minnesota and Wisconsin. <laughs> 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 gotta make that. Gotta make that athletic department payroll somehow. It's worth fun. noting he is he has never beaten one of those teams. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, make all the Northwestern jokes you want there, asshole. <laughs> Look, after that, I'll, I'll tell you after this. After win against Minnesota, the the proprietor of the former uh, Campus Pizza Rifts in Peace just brought the bottle of Jack Daniels over to my table after the game and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, my. Um, the rest of the non-con is not exactly going to be uh, awe-inspiring. Western Illinois. Don't you sleep Colorado. on the leather neck, sir. I look of the rest of those teams that might be the most likely loss for Minnesota. Frankly, um, things do get a little bit more difficult with a road trip to Michigan state. After that, the crossovers are that trip to Michigan state 
a trip to Penn State in mid-October. And Boring whiteouts. And home, right, which was an interesting so, choice on Penn State's part. And Wait, are we are we just ignoring the revenge game potential of Colorado? I mean, I guess. Do you not, really, not, is, not, is, no, not, not just the 30 to nothing revenge potential. Do we know who Colorado's offensive coordinator is? Did they pick up Sanford? Are you serious? Shitting me. <laughs> For what possible reason? I, Carl Durrell wants his buyout. That's what that says to me. Is he's trying to get that. he's trying to get fired while Colorado still has access. Golden to parachute speed run, baby. To whatever oh, pack any percent. Oh my Golden God. parachute any percent speed run. <laughs> so, yeah, the, I, I I do want to uh, just circle back to Leathernecks a bit because they were part of a very special college football memory for me when I I circled that game on my calendar trying to break a four game losing a four year oh losing streak of uh, Illinois games I went to. And uh, it was going very badly at halftime, so I hit my vape pen so hard that I convinced myself they were LSU in the second half. It was great. Uh, that was the time that Edwin Carter caught two touchdowns and then like just blew his knee into millions of pieces the second time. Guys, he's like this all the time. It's a, a Name any team you want in college athletics. He's got this story for that team, too. But uh, yeah, but I will I will timestamp that thing about Jerry Kill in the uh, you know once we are looking at four and zero New Mexico State going into uh, <laughs> going into October. I'll timestamp this time that we all. Oh my god! If they beat Minnesota and Wisconsin this year, if, <laughs> look, I'm not Jerry gonna lie, Kill, I don't like Jerry Kill that much, but it would be one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Yes, if Jerry yes, Kill yes, goes into Wisconsin and wins. I'm done. That is the end of me <laughs> watching college sports. I am just going to stick to women's soccer and Australian rules football. No more. I can. My brain will not be able to handle that. Hey, After a, a how many times shot himself in the dick in that shitful town? A 12 and 0 New Mexico State season also involved <laughs> wins over Lamar uh, at Mizzou and at Liberty. So. Yeah. That would be a very popular undefeated season. I will say that. That would be one of the most popular BCS busters in history. Yes, I'm using anachronistic terminology because yeah. well, we're we not talking about things inside the realm of possibility. Anyway. We, we know what you mean, though. And so, wait, wait. So now that, now, that, now that we've mentioned uh, uh, an Aust- Australian rules, rules football, uh, WSR, do we know about Mark Crawford? Since I know he hails from Perth, correct? Yeah, talking Gophers punter. No, I I have actually attempted to ask him about this, and I will attempt to ask him again here because I might be seeing him in person at some point in the near future. I will find out his allegiances if they are the good and wonderful West Coast Eagles or Wait a minute. awful no, no, and no, no, evil no. Eagle Fremantle Dockers. You stop that right now. You're talking about fourth place on the ladder, Fremantle, and I will have I mean, none of this slander. Um, Immediate elimination round losers, Fremantle Doctors, because the second they have to play a game that matters, they're done in the playoffs. I'm sorry. Are you talking about the Fremantle Doctors who have already have? They've beaten who? It's they've They've beaten West Coast. I'll give them that. But everyone beats West Coast. They pounded the piss out of West Coast. That's not an issue. I stayed up late last night watching Osborne beat the piss out of West Coast. (laughs) That's not wrong. So anyway. Allow me to get this train back on the tracks. And b- before we talk shit about Jeff Brom again, um, <clears throat> I get the impression 
that Minnesota will be stepping away from their traditional well, shucks, let's win three to nothing non-conference game against New Mexico State because Jerry Kill has talked a little bit of shit over the few years. Yeah. Jerry Kill brought up PJ Flex first divorce unprompted on a radio interview. And as a divorced person myself, you you don't tend to do that. Um, Jerry Kill questioned why PJ Fleck was so, you know, over the top in regards to fixing the culture that he had put in place. <clears throat> I'm going to bite a hole through my tongue here because I could go on for 20 minutes about this subject. That hey, was Jerry, all still. That was all still when Kill was at Kansas in some capacity, wasn't it? No. Wasn't, no. It was. It, it, the second time there was an allegation was when Clay's was here, who and Clay's was his boy, and oh, he was yeah. mad that Clay's and all his staff got shoved out the door. Snorlax. The year, the year before, there was a brief little blip about football players retaliating, retaliating against someone who had claimed something, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, an action by the football team of some sort. And Jerry Kill said, "Oh shucks, that's just not how our guys work." So. I'm just going to say this real quick before I continue this shit all over Jerry Kill. I don't tend to believe Val Martin's allegations on a lot of levels. However, I'm old enough now where it's going to have me going back and looking at other things just to see if there's a trend anywhere. And I'm also going to have my antenna up going forward in case there's any absolutely ridiculous bullshit that happens. We have not had the arrests and whatnot that we've had in the past, but it's something to watch out for now that it's, you know, to be aware. That being said, I hope we hang 150. I hope we go for the the Heisman Georgia Tech game here on Jerry Hill. (laughs) I want us to have, I want to know if the scoreboard hits triple digits because I feel like Jerry Kill and his skeleton of a roster deserves that. And this is a guy who throws everyone under the bus in year one to begin with. I mean, even Fleck tried to tried with Demery Croft, but Kill just <sighs> but Kill throws everyone out and Boy. goes from there. And Talk about a name you'd forgotten, Demery and one that probably is worth forgetting given what's happened to Demery Croft. Uh, Dem- Demery Croft is the only Gopher quarterback to ever have lost to uh, Purdue under PJ Fleck. We've beaten him every other time. Um, I really hope that Jerry is in a rip it to the studs mood this year at New Mexico State, and he doesn't help that he lost his best receiver and whatnot. Because I think PJ holds a bit of a grudge here quietly, and I think this could be one where it will either be a three nothing, but you're getting negative yards total, or it could be one where you know what? I think the starters could use one more series for a tune-up here. I think you're right about that. Needs another touchdown. Twenty-seven to three is not out of the question. Yep. If, I were, <laughs> if I were choosing a, kind of a like a put a bet prop kind of uh, situation for that game, I would be taking Tanner Morgan to have a big game. 
not just because he'll PJ will say fuck it, let's let it fly. But I think that's one where Jerry Kill is going to go into that game thinking all they have to do is run the ball seventy five times in the non conference, and PJ is going to say, all right, fuck it, here's the play action. You know, here's the one play action pass that we're going to give away in the non conference. Let your New Mexico State DBs try to defend Crab for three quarters it's until good. Crab gets pulled up thirty to three in the in the fourth. It's gonna it's gonna be a slant. We're going to see a play action to us off of land. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus. My goodness. I, we are talking some radical shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk true. about when the schedule actually starts, okay? Yeah. Because really, Colorado, there is potential intrigue. But if they've decided yeah. to kneecap themselves with Mike Sanford, then no, there kind of isn't. So um, at Michigan State is the first one of these. That? We'll find out about both Minnesota and Michigan State in that game, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm never confident going into East Lansing just because these two teams seem to love to fuck around with each other. And somebody has to win. And it's usually not. Well, it's usually an entertaining game for yeah. one side. Yeah. It's also very infuriating. Like one of my favorite college football games ever was the Halloween game in 2009 where Kirk Cousins <laughs> decided to. Kirk wasn't all over the place. There was an immaculate reception for a touchdown. Uh, it's just a ridiculous game. And that, it feels like that should be like the prototype for Minnesota Sparty games. You know, we take, I, we take no, you back for that. And East Lansing was where fun goes to die. You stop saddling the Vikings with him for a long time, though. So, you know, we really I, I, I will say this. I, I had set it up as the triangle of really stupid games when, when you had, you know, D'Antonio. Um, you had the you know Michigan State, Iowa, Northwestern, but it feels yeah. kind of more like you look at all of Michigan State's results against the Big Ten West in recent years. Like it's kind of divorced from logic, isn't it? There's never any logic involved in those games, and I kind of appreciate that actually. It's it's real. It's a real random number generator. Um, yeah. So then, of course, there is Purdue. When. You, you figure at some point, at some point, but perhaps not this point. Who knows? Um, Jeff Jeff Brom beat Demery Crop, and Jeff Brom hasn't put a mitten on PJ Flex since. Well, then the next one is going to be a homecoming at Illinois, which means that wow. unless unless y'all no no no, you're assuming that you guys are going to be ranked by then. If you guys come in with like a loss or two, then you're going to stomp the shit out of Illinois. If you come in undefeated with like a top 20 ranking, especially if we've lost a couple of games in the non-conference, then it's the Jerry kill 2015. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, Minnesota will also be coming off of a bye going into that game. Um, but then, Oh, oh but, but rumor no, has no, no, it no. that we are going to ditch the grays. So I actually, I'm, I am now nervous about this game because I, I said earlier that we have not had a problem with the rest and whatnot, but I am never confident in the matchup against the University of Minnesota Police. That is never <laughs> Ah, yeah, so that is between Purdue and Illinois. Um, now, of course, at Penn State, the fucking <laughs> Kirk Shiraka thing is, is, is endlessly weird to me that it was just, you know – it was a spoiled rich kid being like, I want this toy and rips it out of your arms. And then being like, I don't want to play with this one anymore. It's boring. I want And then the volcano demanded a virgin and, and Franklin decided that Shiraka was the virgin. For but it. what interests me here is the matchup with 
uh, would-be Big Ten West style mate Rutger. Is interesting really the word that we're going to use for that? I I don't know about that. Are they going to be worse? Uh, is Rutgers going to? Do you mean are Rutgers going to be worse than they were last year? Uh, they could be. Friends, um, bowl team Rutgers. You mean the Rutgers that lost at Northwestern? Rutgers. Yeah. Oh, well, the Rutgers. Rutgers that had Michigan kind of dead to rights for a second there. Yeah, Michigan no. did not take them seriously. Um, Rutgers that no, lost that to Northwestern a- Rutgers is the real Rutgers. That was, and, and I don't know. No Rutgers fan is listening to this podcast, but whatever Rutgers fan needs to hear it, your team last year was fucking horseshit, and you should sit there and realize both your basketball and your football teams lost to Northwestern. Sit there <laughs> and think oh, of what you've done. Wow. Or horseshit. You don't belong here. Um, you know, go away, please. Hey, no, Listen you stop that. I away. appreciate everything Rutgers and the New York television market do. <clears throat> And and yeah, I say this, and I say this, sipping out of the largest pimp chalice I could possibly afford, with that media broadcast money. So, tail end of the schedule gets interesting. I think the Big Ten realized the wisdom of putting most of the quadrangle games in November. So November does go at Nebraska, Northwestern, and Iowa at home, and then at Wisconsin. It's it's probably been a while, hasn't it, since the Iowa and Wisconsin games were in consecutive weeks for Minnesota, especially to end the season. I that I don't recall I, that happening any time recently. Or am I just I forgetting? Think so. uh, I, Northwestern's not, occupied a wait what on the Minnesota schedule recently. We've been the the pre Thanksgiving game or the or the twelfth, like the second weekend of, of November game. Yep. I I understand that we have to play both of them eventually. I just don't appreciate, you know, back to back. And I, it's, it's good. You know, Wisconsin and Iowa are going to be against Minnesota. I don't think we're going to see a lot of passing records set in those games. No. <laughs> um, it feels like one of those, you know, see how accurate your your stopwatch is type of games where it's going to be over reasonably quickly because there's not going to be a lot of opportunity for media timeouts. Um, I I don't like it, but it is what it is. West has done very well against Wisconsin, and he has not done well at all against Iowa. Um, Nebraska, same story as, as Purdue. You lost to him in, you know, he lost to him in his second year. He beat him his first year fairly well because Gopher fans love getting Nebraska coaches fired. Fleck lost to them once, and Nebraska has not touched him since. So it's going to be – I feel confident in that game. I'm not sure what to think. Is Which Northwestern are we getting this year? I know what we're getting, but it's still in the back of my brain. Because Corey and I, or MNW and I have talked about this many times. Minnesota fans and Northwestern fans see each other on the schedule and go, that's a win. Every yeah. single year, without question. <laughs> well, For what it's worth, only one of us does that. You you can play this up <laughs> all you want. Northwestern fans do not sit here and circle, Minis- circle Minnesota and say, oh, yep, there's a win. It's, this is no, you very much a pass, you liar. This is very much, no, no, I'm done with this. And and where he and the other side of that though, I think basically every team in the conference would look at Northwestern, whether we're coming off like a division title, ten win season or not, and be like, oh yeah, we're gonna. If if anything, um, you know, I, I, I will give I'll give WSR this. I probably have said it in the past, and I probably meant it too. <laughs> um, the 
the thing you that look a little nervous there, buddy. The thing, <laughs> I have not that, always thought this about Northwestern. The one time I did think this about Northwestern, we got our absolute we got our ass kicked so badly that my parents had to leave to drive back to Illinois at halftime. The thing, the thing I will say about this uh, is that I will say Northwestern fans do it out of desperation. We're like, okay, we are. We <laughs> that's, are that's a win, right? We are typically trying to cobble together. Like, here's how I'm going to convince myself. So it's Chad. more the bar. It's more of a bargaining tool than here's it is. how. Here's how Chad decides that Northwestern is going nine and three this year. Um, you know, whereas Minnesota thinks themselves on a slightly higher plane than Northwestern. And you, UWSR, esteemed man, might uh, might not. Um, I'll remind you that one of us has, uh, one of our teams has seen the Rose Bowl in, uh, uh, you know, the last 60 years. Wait a minute, um, three of our teams. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> there, so there's that for one. Um, but it very much, and this is, again, this is not WSR necessarily. This is, however, again, I realize there's no overlap in the listening here, but this is a K-Fan kind of a thing. So Don't love me ship in the them, you son of a here. bitch. I will I, drive your house. I, I have been very careful to say that I've been very careful to say that you, you know, are not them. However, um, it, it is one where one program fancies itself, uh, you know, a... Oh, uh, you know, a legacy of sorts in, within the big. Well, we are also, Andrew has just completely tuned out of this conversation, or is sitting there thinking like, "This is just so sad." You're sitting here with three Big Ten West also rans. Um, I guess well, two. One of us has been to the Big Ten championship twice in the last, you know, four years, uh, mm-hmm. which is neither here nor there, perhaps. But you know, it, it's one where. The crab, well, you know, one oh, yeah. crab is no, no. threatening to get Back out of the bucket, the and I think you. Steve yeah. and I Anyways, agree. Speaking of Chris Ottman, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steve, it's, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He's a great kid, so I'm. I would be more than happy to talk about more and more. No, but however, the esteemed view is right in some regards, where that KFN mentality is very much a, a an agree temporarily non non-millionaire type approach and it's not yours I, I do i want to be clear wsr is not that that kind of a guy i have been broken too many times to be that kind of <laughs> um that you know minnesota might have an all-conference player at every position this year <laughs> <laughs> no but you how much only need about 12 quarterbacks to be it depends on what conference happen, so we're talking <laughs> about doesn't it mountain west The expectation is not to, Minnesota is not going to go back to a Bernie Beerman World War II where we're going to win national titles approach. Anyone that assumes that has sustained way too many. Lives in Anoka and has a Blue Lives Matter flag. Gotta get into the grain belts deeply enough. It's, it's, and you can well, you can no, find a no, notch no, no. in there for Minnesota's national championship. He's, he's actually right though. You know, yeah. the, the, there is a certain segment of the Viking fan base that thinks that the Gophers should be competing yeah. for national titles. And totally these people, these people need to be fired from their jobs as police officers in Minneapolis while living <laughs> in blame. <sighs> but not not even for the fandom reason. Just yeah, yeah, no, because they can't be trusted with any any responsibility whatsoever in life. And that is just, I think that the Gophers are fine. They're 
we're in a good place right now. This isn't bad. Yeah. I got yeah. sunburnt in, in, in Tampa on New Year's Day a couple of years ago, and we beat Auburn, for the love of God. What more do we actually want other than one trip to the Rose Bowl in my life? People and now can't. that we added UCLA, congratulations. I'm already excited about that. I've made, I've made a, that joke on Twitter, and honestly, I don't care. The Gophers are playing in the Rose Bowl. I will be there. It's just a question of when the schedule lines up. Um, and you know what? I don't care if it's October or January. I'm going to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> going to the Rose Bowl in October. <laughs> yeah, so generally, I think what your conclusion here is that, like every Big Ten West fan that is that whose program does not reside in Illinois, you're pretty sure that eight and four is not out of the question. It's not. It's really not. Yeah. So we're going to have no, I, like, I mean, look, this, the defense a couple should of two and out. ten yeah. teams and then five eight and four programs. <laughs> Wonder how that's going to fall. Um, all right. So speaking of teams with a very low winning percentage, we'll turn now to Minnesota basketball where actually, so we've, we mentioned on a couple of occasions, themes that have developed as we're talking about teams that are in the same part of the run up, right. Meaning they did similarly. And there's a little bit of that on the basketball side too, where now for the third time this off season, uh, we're talking about a basketball team with a new head coach that actually, if you look at the results, like it could have gone worse, but relative to what Shrewsbury at Penn State and Mike Woodson at Indiana did, the win-loss record really did kind of reflect that this was a complete teardown and rebuild for Ben Johnson in year one, um, three and 17 in the conference overall. But again, with a, a roster that frankly, I mean, I don't think there's really much of an argument that Patino left a weaker roster behind than did Pat Chambers in Happy Valley. I mean, that's saying something. Um, so the good what news, roster? yeah, the, the good news is that M Ben Johnson chose to fill his roster mostly with transfers from low major teams, guys who are kind of question marks into how they translate. But it looks like for the most part, that kind of talent scouting and selection is going to be a strong point. Um, Jamison Battle was extremely good out of the gate, probably going to get some kind of all-conference nod this year. And now with a little bit of success to sell, they turn to the portal once again and bring in a much, much more gaudy class of recruit um, in the transfer from North Carolina and Dawson Garcia. So the front court in particular could be good. Um, I'll turn over to our go for correspondence for their sense of where this program is going to be this in this year two under Ben Johnson. I'd, I'd like to begin by just, you know, appealing to your generosity and whatnot by pointing out that we did win in Chrysler last year. And I feel that should be rewarded. Yeah, you know? Hilariously so, yeah. <laughs> it should be appreciated. Um, last year's team, uh, uh, you're, you're struggling for the way to describe them. And I think that a good way to describe it is that a lot of players on that team will be playing against Brad Davison at the Maple Grove YMCA here very soon in basketball games. Um, I, I'm optimistic. I like what I saw. I have a lot of faith in the coaching staff. I listened to Dave Thorson speak last month at, a, at an event, and I was ready to run through a damn wall for him. Um, and as long as he's around, the Gophers will be a reasonably competent defensive team. It's just a matter of having good enough basketball players to keep up with everyone else because there was a dearth of that last year. I absolutely 
absolutely love a few of the guys. But when you have a grad transfer that's whose goals are to play become a professional fisherman as your spring shooting guard, you have to question whether or not you're going to be able to compete night in and night out in the Big Ten. And actually, no, you don't need to question it because you already know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm really excited for this fall here and this winter. I think that it's not going to we're not going to be getting a buy into the, you know, a double buy into the Big Ten truth. Anyone who believes that sort of thing needs to be institutionalized next to the Vikings fans that can't find a loss on their schedule. I am excited to see what Dustin Garcia can do because he'll take a little bit of pressure off of Jamison Battle because there will be some times in games where Jamison Battle decided he needed to lift the entire state on his back, and he was not always capable of that because, well, when you have one healthy front court player and then Kristen Thompson and his above-the-knee tattoos as your front court because you can't count on Charlie Daniels, then you're going to have problems in the big time. Yeah, his uh, his efficiency suffered at times. Um, it, yeah, he lagged. He he did too much. He tried to do too, too much. He's a very, very good basketball player, and I look forward to watching him again in the fall. Mm-hmm. I remembered uh, – the main thing I remembered about watching Minnesota was uh, – I don't know how many times this happened against Wisconsin, but this seemed to happen a lot against in games I wanted them to win because I usually just want teams with shittier records that aren't Northwestern to win. But uh, wait a uh, minute, you know, I, I I just kept watching them and be like, man, you know, they had this team dead to rights and couldn't close it out. I know that happened with Wisconsin at least once, and just getting mad like on behalf, like it was like. I, I needed you to do this one thing for me. This is the only thing I've ever asked you. How can you not close this out? Come on. And so, but and I, then I imagine you having a Jamison battle of your own. And, and it was fun. It was fun. Actually, last year was a lot of fun because one of the things that happened on multiple occasions is, you know, for the first couple of minutes, the last couple of minutes of the first half, first couple of minutes of the second half, we'd find a way to go down 15 to 20 points to people. And then all of a sudden we have about four minutes left in the game. It's a two point game. And it's, it made things a lot of fun. And Williams Arena is my favorite sports venue in the Twin Cities when it's it's when the team is good. And Williams Arena was fun last year, and I really appreciated that. One thing about that team from last year is it, they were eminently likable. And that was something that I haven't been able to say about Minnesota basketball in a while. They were even as a – you called me a correspondent, by the way. Fuck you. I'm not a Minnesota correspondent. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, one of the things last year, it, it, I did go to the Northwestern at Minnesota, just absolute demolition. That was, what was the white kid, uh, WSR from Minnesota, who just decided he couldn't miss the point guard or shooting guard or whatever he was? Luke Bowie. Luke Bowie. Sure. Yeah. yeah, why not? Him deciding he was going to hit like seven threes in the first half and me just sitting there watching as, as people like did the open Minnesota nice thing to me as if they had flown him from Chicago to Minnesota to watch a Minnesota <laughs> Western basketball game. They said, like, look, you sons of bitches. I'm driving to the Northwest suburbs when this is over. Oh, gosh, thanks for coming up to see it. Just that's, sorry he's just bombing away on you like that. Honest to God, you, that's what we got. Like, my wife and I, both Minnesotan died in the wool. I, I had had a couple drinks beforehand, too, so my voice was just like this as well. And I'm getting just opened by these, these old fucking, like, Oh, I probably went to your went to school with your dad down at Sleepy A St. Mary's back in 1981. And sitting there like, you sons of bitches. This is what it's like. Um, 
I will be, for what it's worth, at the, I think, hopefully, God willing, at the Minnesota Northwestern football game this year, too. So uh, I plan to throw a number of grain belts at uh, at WSR while we're at it. I can't wait to throw a grain belt at you again. God, it's going to be so great. (laughs) I hope that we also failed. Um, No, I hope we get P.J. Fleck fired, Um, much as I'm glad we didn't get Tracy Clays fired. I am so (laughs) mad about that. (laughs) So... In terms of other things to keep in mind about the basketball team. Um, oh, yeah, we were talking about that. Sorry. They do They have a couple guys coming off of injury and Isaiah Innan and Parker Fox. So the front court situation outside Frank, of Battle and Garcia is a little bit, you know. Time out. Parker Fox, the ultimate hype man, the greatest um, bench mob player <laughs> of all time towards the ACL again. He is out for the year again. Okay. Which oh, means, I hadn't heard that. That's unfortunate. Which imp- and the good news is that means we get more Instagram live interviews between him and Coach Thorson before games. But <laughs> the downside is we do need to wait another year to see if he can go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really bummed for him because he it's is just way too energetic to not be on the court. Unfortunately, I had not heard that. Um, it will also be a pretty new crew in the backcourt. Um, Taylon Cooper, the transfer from Moorhead State, figures to probably take over most of the ball handling with Peyton Willis finally out of eligibility. Um, could be which Moorhead a... State? Which Moorhead State are we talking? Dragons or Eagles? I don't even. I think the that's, logo was in. That's Eagle. that's just for the that's for the Minnesota listeners here. Um, okay. There is MSUM Moorhead State. Uh, sorry, Minnesota State University. It's um, not. It's not Minnesota. He's nope. HBCU, buddy. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. You never know. Uh... With, with that was last year's team that was getting guys out of Canada and the and Grand Rapids and Bemidji State. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they do have a couple of freshman wings who are in line for substantial time as well. Jaden Henley and Braden Carrington, just the most Zoomer names you could possibly imagine. Um, but in any case, you're likely to see both of them right away because with Lowy and Stevens gone, there's just nobody else. Um, the other freshmen are power forwards, a little bit more of a log jam there. So those will probably be kind of your newer names that you see. Likely to be a short-ish bench again, but not as bad as it was last year where they really had six guys and that was about it. Um, again, you, you saw, you like the fight. This is a team that could improve substantially and the record is probably still going to be something like six, seven, eight wins in conference. Um, the I'll idea there is, Build you know, a statue. <laughs> yeah, it, right. Taking a, a look, it's another step forward though. Right. And it's the bit we've said this repeatedly, the big 10 is going to be down this year. There was a lot of talent that left. Um, and the incoming recruiting class is a little bit short on stars that are going to take over the league right away, at least on paper. So um, would not be unreasonable for there to be more space to pick up a few wins from teams that are usually a bit out of reach. Yeah, all, all I'm saying is currently one of the more hyped teams to compete for the Big Ten is a team that returns two of its players from last year. Like Northwestern? No, not 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 play, not so starters, not, uh... players. Minnesota. That's more than what you turned last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of turnover, um, which means there's a lot of passing of torches, which means it's not very Minnesota football now, is it? That was a good transition, Steve. I'm really proud of you for that. I saw you struggling with it, and it was nice that you were able to land that plane. A plane that Ben does not yet own, for what that's worth. Ah, well, as soon as he does own said plane. Uh, God, I can't wait to ride with him to Evanston for uh, Northwestern Minnesota games. It's going to be great. 
Yeah, yeah about- well, you're going to have to squeeze back there because there's going to be some six foot nine, 400 pound Australian recruit in the plane first. It's going to be yeah. just the three of us, too. That's, that's all that. <laughs> Otherwise, that fucker's going out of Lake Geneva. Yeah, we're gonna no, have to rip everything that- out of it. We're not going to have seats in that plane to be able to get it off the ground. Yeah, that, that, tr- that trip ends in a hundred car pile up on I-94 if you try to drive it. So, yeah. Damn, is it Tuesday already? <laughs> well, anyway, we'll let y'all get back to your um, uh, hot not frozen hellscape. Uh, oh, I could go for a hot dish. It's supposed to be a hundred degrees on Tuesday night for my kids. Yeah. Game. I am so excited. Jeez. Hot enough for you? <laughs> I don't have enough ice, ice cubes for my whiskey for that game. <laughs> By yeah, the way, before... I'll, I'll tell you what, the proliferation of hot enough for you as global warming really accelerates in our region is going to be quite the it's cultural be, indicator to watch. It's going to be out of hand. Time. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be out of hand. Uh, yeah. But anyway, that brings us to a conclusion of the Off Talkle Empire preview of Minnesota for B1G 2022. We thank you all for listening. We thank our correspondents for joining us from Central Time, where it's barely even kind of late. And as always, thanks for joining us. Fuck you, I'm not your Minnesota correspondent. I'm not your buddy, guy! Your source for Big Gun Cog, it's Off Tackle Empire!